Welcome to the Jabadoo Education Podcast, Episode 3. Our students' learning isn't limited to what our teachers know. And it was when I was a kid, right? I, my learning was limited to what that teacher knew. That whole accessibility piece, I mean, that's the only way many of our students can learn. And this technology allows them to be included in the learning process. You're listening to the Jabadoo Education Podcast. I'm your host, John Ruths, and I'm going to introduce you to some of the leading professionals in the fields of education, psychology, and leadership to bring you the most relevant and up-to-date tips, tricks, and tools for you to use in your classroom. Welcome to Jabadoo. Hello. Welcome to episode three of the Jabadoo Education Podcast. And at the time of this recording, uh, so many of us are having a tough time just adjusting to life in quarantine as we deal with this global coronavirus epidemic. And to a certain extent, uh, some of us are having a, a tougher time adjusting to distance and online learning for our students. Um, and so our, our expertise and comfort levels have been turned upside down and and many of us feel like first year teachers again trying to navigate the online platforms that we're uh, that we're using. And that's why my conversation today with Dr. Chris Penny was actually really refreshing because we talk about a number of different challenges and benefits of implementing technology into our teaching and why it's okay that we don't have it all figured out right now. You know, we don't know everything and it's okay that our students see that. You know, it's actually good that they see that because we're going to go through this struggle together and we're going to come out on the other side with a shared experience with our students about persevering. And that's something that we can use as an example over the next handful of years uh, once things settle down. So I hope you enjoy our conversation today. As always, everything we discuss can be found at our show notes page by going to jabadoo.com slash show three. That's J-A-B-B-E-D-U dot com slash show with the number three. And with that, let's bring in Dr. Chris Penny. Chris, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you. All right. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I always like to start out uh, every interview from the beginning. It's always a good place to start. So why don't you tell us just where you grew up? Uh, what was your educational journey? Some of the things that you were interested in and, and how you kind of landed on where you are today? Yeah, well, I'm originally from the north of England, and I came to the States in 1992 as a failed professional soccer player. So I didn't get the <laughs> professional contract that I was hoping to get, and went back to university in England, and then got a phone call asking, uh, inviting me over to Pennsylvania to play soccer and also go to college here in the States. So I took that opportunity, came over here. I was an education major at Lockhaven University, always had an interest in working with children, specifically coaching, and uh, looked for a major that would allow me to continue to coach. And my, my dream was to play professionally, but if I couldn't play, it was to stay involved in soccer and coach. And I fell in love with teaching, could see some real direct parallels to that and decided pretty early on in my college uh, college years to be a college professor. I loved that whole college environment and uh, I set my eyes on being a college professor initially to be health education uh, professor but as I was taking my coursework 
the the turning point for me was after I, I went to Lockhaven, I went to East Stroudsburg for a master's degree. It was probably when I went to Penn State to do, to do my PhD, I was still very much uh, into the health education thing. And I, I, I saw this opportunity and felt like technology had always helped me as a learner. And as this field grew, I was spending more and more time reading, being involved in that, teaching others. Uh, I jokingly called myself a PowerPoint ninja uh, when I was in <laughs> when I was in graduate school because I was creating PowerPoint presentations for not only myself but other graduate students as well, gotcha. and started building websites for myself initially and then for other people. Editing uh, video uh, became a, a, a passion of mine podcasting like we're doing now and uh, so that my interests uh, my passion but also my education background really lend itself well to being an educational technology professor so that was my journey I did my PhD made it very much educational technology and then I was looking for my first teaching job uh, outside of uh, graduate school and so this job advertised at Westchester University applied for it accepted that job and now I'm a professor of educational technology at Westchester and I've been there for 18 years now teaching okay. introduction to edtech and uh, also some graduate courses in educational technology so yeah I, I feel a little bit like we're almost the same person because uh, we were talking before we hit the record button that we're both soccer fans both played soccer um, I actually, when I was in college, I went to Westchester uh, as my undergraduate, and I'm, I'm there now doing some graduate work. And uh, when I was in college, I was doing video editing. I was doing, you know, a couple of different things um, along that same line. And I think even in, in another life, I, I would have been a phys ed teacher as well. So <laughs> there's a lot of, lot of I love that. I, I mean, I love that. I still have a, you know, I, 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 I can, can relate to that. I'm, you know, uh, probably like yourself, I'm still very active and uh, the importance of physical activity uh, that's uh, something something i'm still you know very connected with yeah certainly and and just health and wellness overall has uh really been uh, improving in in terms of just uh people knowing what's important for our bodies and how that also affects every other aspect of our life like our mood and our motivation and all the stuff that is so necessary for teachers uh health and 100 you know as yeah. you know right now as we're moving a lot of instruction online i think we're going to really you know value that and uh, i hope there will be some more awareness about physical sure. and you know mental mental health and i think that was happening before uh, everything that we're going through I, right I now agree, but, yeah uh, people taking breaks and going outside and looking after the the physical and the mental health and how that's all connected. Yeah, absolutely. And my my first three years of teaching, I, I taught out in Colorado for for a few years, and my classroom didn't have any windows, so there were <laughs> there were a few days where uh, you know first year teacher you, you spend so much time planning that I would get to school before the sun rose and I would leave after it set, especially in the in the and in Colorado years, so. too, the most one of the most beautiful places. Oh, too. it was a beautiful I mean, place, yeah, and an outdoorsy state right I, I like to visit Colorado yeah we, we definitely enjoyed it but we were away from all of our friends and family who were still on the east coast so um all right so getting into it a little bit uh, I read uh you became an apple distinguished educator uh in 2007 and then a google certified educator in 2009 yeah 
to me, those those still don't sound like that far away, but it was 11 and 13 years away. <laughs> that was a long time um, ago, yeah. Yeah. What, what were some of the benefits of those programs? Uh, what did you learn from them? And then um, we'll just start with that. What, what are those programs yeah. and what did you get out of them? Well, I'm always looking to be, you know, to learn more, right? To, to be able to be a better professor at Westchester. And you sometimes on an island, right, with your content area. So I was one of three educational technology faculty at the time, and I really wanted to connect with more people mm -hmm. uh, who knew more than me. So I got involved with the Apple Distinguished Educator Program, applied for that program, and then was invited to California to meet other like-minded educators and to really develop a relationship with, with Apple and their education team. And I've been going now every year, uh, I go back and the, we have a, an, an Apple Distinguished Educator Institute, which is a, a week-long conference. And it's been the one of the most amazing professional learning experiences for me because of the people that I get to interact with. Sure. Um, in 2008, uh, I did the, the Google Certified Teacher, GCT, they called it at the time. And that was a similar kind of experience, spending some time in New York with the, the, the Google education team. I would say I'm doing way more with the Apple education group than I, I do with the mm -hmm. Google group, but I, I, I learned a lot from from that experience. So. Yeah, and that's not something that's just limited to professors at universities. That's something that no, access no, no, from no. kindergarten through 12th grade, right? It's actually more of a, it's more of a K-12. Yeah, it is. Both of them are more K-12 than higher ed. There are actually few of us fewer of us in higher ed uh, who are uh, Google certified teachers or Apple distinguished educators for a, a much smaller group. And that's really good for me, you know, being in the College of Education uh, and being a teacher educator, I need to understand what's happening in schools and learning from some of the most amazing educators from not just the States, but around the world. These are the, you know, uh, global networks of, of, of teachers and teachers that are just so passionate about what they do yeah. and have at whatever level and whatever content area and, and and really fuel what I do I'm like wow like I would love it I, I can take what they do and do in my classroom or here I've got perfect examples and when my students ask the question why are we doing this I can say this is why or they say yeah. they might question is this really happening you know or the school and I can mm -hmm. share examples yes and here is some student work or here is this teacher in New York and this is what they're doing and here's his video and his photographs of them doing what the, you know doing what we're doing in the classroom so it informs informs what I do I think it's really good for Westchester University as well and getting you know sharing stories about the success that we have in Westchester we have some fantastic professors and some amazing students doing some incredible stuff. And I get to tell their stories. Yeah. And uh, one of those, one of those uh, projects that I think uh, you might be referencing is the, I know a few years back, you and some colleagues there at Westchester put together uh, a book titled, I wrote it down here, Mobile Pedagogy and Perspective on Teaching and Learning. And I went and looked through a little bit of that. Uh, yeah. And it, it's a conglomerate of research from all over the world pulled together. So can you talk a little bit about that project and maybe some of the findings that came out of it? Yeah, this was a while ago. We were, we, there was a, a, we were calling this, and some people were calling this the post-PC year, and I did a couple of presentations 
uh, about this. I feel that as we we move from desktops, right, really being trained, you know, chained yeah. to a, a desktop, and I, I feel very much I'm chained to a desktop. <laughs> and the last, you know, the last few weeks, uh, and then we move to laptops, but laptops aren't super portable. Yeah. You know, you still need to plug them in, and the battery doesn't last forever. They're reasonably heavy. I know laptops are a little bit thinner than they than they were, but I was. I, I really believe, and I still believe, that the future is a way more mobile computing experience. So whether that's smartphones or tablets, I think they're much better suited for education and for teaching and learning. Mm-hmm. So I had an interest in that, and uh, it, the, there were some some of my colleagues at Westchester University, Doug McAuliffe, who recently retired, uh, Jordan, Dr. Jordan Sugar, and Dr. Heather Sugar, uh, who who teach in the college. Uh, we aligned with them. We're like, yeah, this this is the way we should be going. And so we uh, edited a, a book, and uh, we subsequently went on. We did a, a another edited edited book after that. But it was this idea of uh, mobile and post PC was all yeah. Was all a focus. <laughs> yeah, and I was um, just looking into that because there is this uh, no man's land right now between well, should we get a laptop cart or should we get a tablet cart? And, yeah, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of pull one way or another. Where well, I would I would say this that that's also something we've looked at as well, right? We've moved away from computer labs to this idea of you right. know laptop carts or tablet carts. But I think we should be looking at a one to one, you know, where every student has a device and they're not sharing devices. If we really are concerned about equity, yeah, and access and that digital divide, that every student should have a device, a, a device that helps them learn. And we're finding that, you know, as we've, we're moving online uh, with this pandemic that we're, that we're all experiencing, yeah. it's really showing the, the huge issues of equity that we have. I mean, Absolutely. If, if your students don't have a device now or have an internet connection, their learning just stopped. Yeah. And I know that there's, there was a, a handful of school districts around the state who do have one-to-one ratios with with technology and their students, but the district that I'm in does not. So, yeah, it's, so it's, it's been a huge conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I guess in, so I'm in an elementary school. So I, my experience would, would tell me uh, kind of agreeing with, with your motion of, of we should be moving towards tablets because tablets just are so intuitive in their interaction. You can touch and you can move. And um, especially with, uh, uh, you said you, you work a lot more with Apple. Um, the iPad uh, is definitely becoming, you know, that's, that's something that there wasn't even a market for tablets and Apple created this market and now they're used all over the place and everything. So right. um, I held out, I held out for two weeks to get an iPad, <laughs> which is, which is very unlike me, by the way, I usually buy, you know, like I, I joke about being a, being a bit of a, you know, a technology magpie, like I collect all this stuff, that, <laughs> uh, all the technology stuff. But the the iPad I held out, I was like, I don't see a need for that. Um, uh, then I got one. I was like, Wow, this, this this could be could be something that is transformative in the fact that it it ha- it's instant on, instant off. Mm-hmm. It's light. It's easy to carry. It's super portable, and the battery does last all day. And it it you know as we were talking about our history and you know uh, I think back in my time at when I was a, a a graduate student and teaching assistant at Penn State, if I wanted to create a video, I would loan out a video camera. I would go to the bookstore and buy video yeah. tapes. 
and then I would have to plug in a cable into the computer and then that would play back and turn the analog to the digital yep. and then I would edit that and then I would press play again record it back to the tape and then to be able to watch that yeah. in my living room and I mean that process yeah it's so instant and the difference between a laptop and a tablet in this case an iPad is it has that camera built in and you know we're really interested in making things seamless and easy and getting to creativity those cameras are important and that whole built in everything's built in and I tell stories I find I, I sound like an old an old geezer when I start telling these stories <laughs> about when I was a student at the, we used tapes uh, oh, no, I mean, now I, it's just you press record and it's absolutely. all there. You edit that and then you press share and then it's on Instagram and it's yeah. on Snapchat and it's on Facebook and it's, it's everywhere. here yeah. and it's there and it's like. Yeah. And incredible. I think that that is probably one of the um, limiting beliefs that teachers have, especially with adapting technology into the room, is that a book has no learning curve. You open up the book and you start working. Whereas technology right. students need to sign in. They need to learn the programs. They need to learn how to, you know, X, Y, and yeah. Z. Yeah. Uh, and it can be an obstacle, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and there's some, right. There's some new learning that, that, that needs, needs to occur. Even as we've moved from paper dead tree books to electronic books, there's a bit of a learning curve there with the, the kind sure. of app that you would use to open the book and how do you take notes? How do you highlight things? How do you share that out? because everybody knows how to open a book and yeah. read from left to right but there are some affordances right there's some improvements there. there's some functional improvements so we think about an electronic book the fact that when we finish the book we can just get a new one right away we don't have to right. go to the library to get it the fact that we can change the size of the text so you know from readability right so sure. accessibility for a student the fact that we can highlight some text and play it back so if you can't see or you can turn on text to speech. So there are yeah. all sorts of like pluses to that. Absolutely. And I think we can always look at that and say, well, it's not, it's, uh, you know, some of the most dangerous, dangerous words in our education system is this is how we've always done. Oh, I love that. Right? Quote. I forget when I like, heard that for the first time, but yeah, yeah absolutely. We, we fall back on that all the time. This is how we've always done it. And, uh, which doesn't, <laughs> it's dangerous. It, 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 it doesn't make it right just because this is how we've always done it. Yeah. New technology but... <laughs> affords us. There are new opportunities, right? And if we if we just put our blinkers on and you know we become that teacher that we used to make fun of when we were in high school, yeah. right? The one that does teaches the same way over and over, tells the yeah. same story. It's like wow, he, I can't believe he told us that story last week and he's telling the same story <laughs> again. My uh, it reminds me, I forget where I saw it, but it was uh, tradition is just peer pressure from dead people. <laughs> <laughs> that's great uh so yeah but i mean especially in terms of, yeah, uh in terms of accessibility and and getting to a world of education where everybody information everybody having access. information is, is accessible to everybody incredible that whole accessibility piece piece i mean that's the only way many of our students can learn and this technology allows them to be part of that right be, to be included in the learning process especially when you're looking at how do we prepare our students for life outside of school? I mean, yep. Technology is integrated into everything. So it, it is. I can't, I can't think of an occupation, a profession, a career where technology isn't important. It, yeah. it, it's something, it's something we need. And then, you know, the, this idea of access, I mean, how much information is out there 
it, I, the, our students learning isn't limited to what our teachers know. And it was when mm. I was a kid, mm. right? I, my learning was limited to what that teacher knew. True. Or what books I had access to in my sure. home sure. or in the library. And if somebody checked that book out in the library, you can't learn about that. Yeah. Right. If you wanted to learn about a specific country and somebody checked out the encyclopedia with E, you're like, I'm going to have to pick a different country. Like you, <laughs> you, there was no. Yeah, that's true. Right, what, and now you can look it up. We have access to an incredible amount of information. Yeah. And it drives, drives my kids crazy because my kids ask a question. I'm like, go look it up. <laughs> ask Ask one of the virtual assistants. Like there are so many. Like, ask Siri. Ask, ask Siri, ask Alexa, Alexa you yeah. know, Google, like, you know, uh, there are an infinite amount of information, which is, which is amazing. I mean, that's just mind blown every day with how much access to information we have. Yeah. So I guess um, going back then to the, uh, the argument of moving towards more mobile friendly devices, um, what would be, as, as a teacher listening to this, what would be my first step to A, get some devices for my classroom or B, start to talk to my principal or other leaders in the school district? Uh, where do I start that process it's to help coming. get it, towards one-on-one? It's coming whether, whether you like it or not, it's coming, I would say. And I would say be involved in the, that decision-making process before it just these type, whatever it is, it arrives in your classroom and you're like, I didn't ask for that. Mm-hmm. so get involved i mean be part of that planning committee whether that's a tech committee or that's just talking to your administration the leaders in your school and school districts about the decisions that are made and i think there's a there's a, a risk here that it'll be business as usual and we'll just substitute what we had in analog for something that is digital as opposed to saying okay this is what i think is important for my students and what kind of tools will support that? It's it's tough. I mean, to because you, you do have so many options, especially in, in the world of technology. So I mean, we, we've been talking more about hardware, right? The actual computer, yep. the actual tablet. Yep. And, but then there's an, almost an infinite amount of software that goes onto that apps. hardware. And oh my goodness. Apps, apps and programs. And, tools, yeah. services. Yeah. We're absolutely bombarded right now with, with stuff and options. And that's it's disappointing to me to see how many tech companies are now just bombarding teachers and students. And, and I get it. Things have changed for them and their business. You know, people are, are worried about surviving and looking at this as an opportunity now. Uh, it, it's, there are so many, so many tools, so many tools yeah. to, to choose from. Yeah. I mean, I know my, my school in particular, we've, we've done Google Classroom for a while. I've, I've experimented with Seesaw and Flipgrid, um, just to name a few, but uh, I was- I love both of those tools. Yeah, they're, they're, I've, I've done more with Seesaw than I have with Flipgrid, but I've looked into them. Um, but Nearpod now, uh, I mean, I could probably, if you could give me 10 minutes to think, I could list 20 different programs that teachers can start to use, which is, yep. it's an insane amount. So the information, like you said, the information that's out there, so there's so much information. So, so it's, much. And you don't have to pick, it, and it's not- you don't have to pick one. You don't have to pick all of them. No, you can't. You can't. And, and, and it's okay to pick one and not another thing. And you're always going to be saying, well, that grass is know, always greener. Is that the best right? Is that the pick? Here's my problem. Here's the given situation. This is the tool I think best solves that problem or 
you know, makes that situation better and go with it. Yeah. And go with it, you know, yeah. um, you don't have to, you don't have to, to know more, which brings up, it, it's really hard to find the, the right stuff. Uh, so I'm pleased you're doing a podcast like this where you're talking to, you know, lots of different people that know stuff, right? So it's yeah. a, a communication and a sharing and a curation piece. And yeah, there's yeah. a lot. That, I mean, the goal, the goal for this podcast is to try to bridge those connections between either pr- programs and software that have proved to be beneficial in the classroom or just t- people making those connections yep. between, Hey, yep. this, this teacher over here has experimented with this and has a lot of success with it That's instead success, of, right. yeah, help them pull right. you up that, that steep learning curve. Yeah. So I, I appreciate that. Um, anything else that you wanted to touch on um, that we didn't get to that you feel is, is good for teachers to hear? Off the top of my head now, I've enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. This has been fun. Good. Well, then that brings us to our exit ticket questions. These are the same four questions that I ask every guest. Do I, do and I you have, have to submit these? Uh, <laughs> you have to answer them to before you leave. Down. Yes. Oh, well, all right. Pressure. <laughs> do you have uh, a book that doesn't necessarily need to be a technology book, but just a book that, you know, teachers should read this book? Oh, I, I think most teachers have read Cal Dweck's Mindset book. I think it's a good That's one. A good one. It's such a, such a good book and that really informed not just my teaching practice, but also as a coach, like, you know, sure. the, the, the potential that our kids, that our kids have. So if you haven't read that one, read that one. Absolutely. And, and she's done a lot of, Carol Dweck is the author, and she's done a lot of research on mindset and growth mindset. Uh, and there's also some resources through, I believe it's Stanford University um, that, that we can link up in the show notes. What about uh, any other resources that you know of that um, teachers can go check out, either digital or uh, what's the opposite too of digital? Many. Hard copy. Too many. Yeah. <laughs> list, Just, list your there, top three. There are too many resources, right? I, I would say to, to go to conferences. Uh, hmm. I, 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 I like to travel. I like to network. Uh, I like to be around other people, which makes you know uh, our time right now really difficult. Yeah, but to to learn from others, you know, to and and physically be there to 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 go to to go and just be a learner, be be a student. That's true. Yeah, and I've I've had that conversation with a few teachers because we become teachers because we enjoy learning, uh, and sometimes it it can be tough to plan for a sub for three days to go to a conference. But every time I've gone to a conference or a clinic. That's where I've brought back the most ideas from my classroom. So I, mean, I love, you come I love back, that resource. Refueled, refreshed, ready to go. You've got some ideas, and maybe you've also taken some of the your ideas and shared those with others, and that's super empowering as well. Yeah, it's the Abraham Lincoln quote. I think the "Give me ten hours to cut down a tree, I'll use the first nine to sharpen my axe." Something like that. Um, yeah, that's a great resource. I love that. Uh, what would be one piece of advice for teachers uh, regarding technology? either current teachers or new teachers coming into the field? Try it. Just give it a try. I, I, in my 20 years uh, of teaching, students don't, they're not critical. They don't boo. They don't get upset. If you try something and it doesn't work, they're really supportive of you trying something new. And not everything's going to work, but taking that, you know, just trying it out. Sometimes it feels like a risk and then you do it and like, 
it wasn't so bad. So I would say try things that for me motivates me if I know I'm going walking into a classroom like, oh, I haven't tried this before. It it's exciting. You get a little bit of a buzz from that. I think that changes the energy in the classroom as well. Uh, but to keep you know keep trying new things. But just thinking of a couple of times where I've I've done something brand new. And a couple of times it has completely flopped and I have to adjust it and do it for the next time. But one or two times I remember brand new activity and the kids got it and they loved yeah. it. And yeah, you're yeah. right. There's, there's an emotional high that goes along with that. Absolutely. There is, right? I mean, that's teaching, right? It's up and downs or highs and lows with it. But we've got to, we, we got to try and strive for those, those, those big. Yeah. And especially when you, when you come clean with the kids and say, hey, this is the first time I'm trying this. If it doesn't work, oh, well. You know, that's, yep. that's, I think, when they yep. make that connection and say, oh, he doesn't know everything, and but that's you, okay. You're being a, and, but you're also being a role model. We talk about our kids having to be risk takers, but what we're not mm. risk takers as teachers. We talk, oh, students, you you got to try hard, and you've oh. got to try new things, and it's okay if you fail, and fail fast, and, and then we're like, but we're going to play it safe as teachers. It's My students are watching. My kids are watching me, right? <laughs> my own kids are watching me. I mean, they call me on this all the time. I was like, you got to try new food. You don't know this could be a new favorite. And then my wife will say, "Hey, do you want to try this?" I'm like, "No." Nah, and my kids are like, "Dad." I was like, "Oh, that's right. I'm gonna oh, try it too." It. <laughs> we got to do that. That's what we have to do in our classrooms as well. We have to try new stuff because that's what we're asking our kids to do all yeah. the time. Right? Oh, you just made me look in the mirror. I'm not sure I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Forget I said it. <laughs> no, that's a perfect, perfect uh, piece of advice. Um, all right. Well, if anybody has any questions about what we talked about today, uh, where would be the best place to reach you if, if they'd like to reach out and ask some questions? Well, you find me at Westchester University. Well, you used to find me at Westchester University. Uh, <laughs> now you're at home. In now your I'm all online, at Chris Penny on most sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. So. Okay. And we will link all those uh, up in our show notes, which can be found at jabadoo.com slash show three. All right, Dr. Chris Penny, thank you so much. Uh, this was such a fun conversation. Thanks for coming on. And uh, we'll have to uh, get back together soon and, and continue this conversation. I'd like that. Thanks, Joe. All right, have a good one. There you have it. And boy, you can hear his passion about the future of technology in education. And while there will certainly be struggles that come with it, it's more important to highlight and realize all the benefits that come with it as well, such as usability and accessibility and really just leveling the playing field for all of our students. A few of the nuggets that I got out of this episode uh, are one that we really need to start advocating for a one-to-one ratio of technology for our students. You know, like Chris said, it's coming whether you like it or not, but after I got a chance to reflect a little bit on our conversation, I realized how much it would streamline the classroom for every student uh, if they had their own device. You know, how simple things like being able to expand the size of the text would help our students with impaired vision, how text-to-voice capabilities would help our students with reading disabilities, and, oh my goodness, the benefits are almost endless, and just in general, how it would help prepare our students for the real world. A second thing that I got uh, that's good to remember when it comes to technology is try it. You know, the most dangerous words in the English language are, this is how we've always done it. And if we avoid the challenges that come with implementing something new in our classroom like technology, what kind of example are we setting for our students? This is how we've always done it, is what leads to stale, unengaged, and out-of-touch teaching. And 
we have to be able to bridge the gap between the technological world our students live in and the learning that takes place in our classroom. So try it. And when you do try it, or if you try something new based on something else that you heard in this show, go share it by going to jabadoo.com show three. Leave a comment on the page about what you tried and what went well and what you will never try again. Uh, and I would love to hear and share some of those stories on a future podcast. So go ahead and do that and find everything else we discussed today by going to jabadoo.com show three. And until next time, go teach. Thank you so much for listening to the Jabadoo Education Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more evidence-based strategies for improving your educational career, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you can get the next episode as soon as it is released. If you think this information is beneficial and you think more teachers should hear it, the greatest compliment you can give us is to share this episode with a colleague, either through a text message, email, or social media. And last but not least, if you think more teachers need to hear more of what we are talking about, please go leave us a five-star rating and review on your platform of choice, and that will simply let the algorithm know that you are finding value in this content, and it will help boost our show to the top of the list when people search for education shows. Thank you, I appreciate you, and I will see you on the next episode of the Jabadoo Education Podcast. Mm-hmm.